Welcome to the podcast. We're street smart, business smart, all kinds of smart people share their insights into the world of marketing, career journeys, and personal growth. So sit back and prepare to get enlightened with your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and brightest from the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. Today, we're going to have some real talk around what it really takes to be a successful recruiter, how to hire them, and how to build a thriving recruitment business. My guest today, Joe Mullings, is the president and CEO of the Mullings Group Companies and True Future TV, his content company. And he's been building companies and careers since the 80s. And he's built the world's largest leading search firm in the medical device industry with clients like Google, J&J, Abbott Labs, as well as a bunch in the emerging tech startups. And he is president of Dragonfly Stories, which is a media company that is a production arm behind the docu-series True Future TV, which I binge watched this morning and we'll certainly dig into uh, in a little bit. And he's serious about physical fitness and MMA, and he's also founded the Armory at one time one of the larger Brazilian jiu-jitsu and MMA teams and multiple fighters in the UFC and world-class Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitors. It's Monday morning and the coffee is kicking in right now. So long story short, Joe is not the type of guy you mess with on any level. And I've been admiring him and learning from Joe from afar. And I had my first conversation with him back in December. And to be honest, you know, I was like, this guy's a little bit too tough. I, I don't know if he's my cup of tea. But then after we really started talking, we were talking shop and we were talking about life. I knew that this was a guy, someone that I needed to connect with and more importantly, learn from. And I'm thrilled to have him on the show today. Joe Mullins, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. It's great to be here. And I remember that conversation. I was in a, in a room in New York City. I think I was actually up there visiting Jerry, if I'm not mistaken, when we were chatting. Yeah, and it, and it certainly comes full circle. And we'll certainly talk about that conversation, um, you know, as we head towards the end here, because I want to talk about that a little bit and the effect that that first conversation had on me. But let's just jump in here. I've read that, you know, you have four questions that you always ask potential candidates in an interview. So if you don't mind, I'm going to ask those questions to you. Is that cool? That's cool. Let's do it. So number one, Joe says, what, I'll ask you, you go, what are you good at and why? Um... I think, again, you know, in context, if we're talking about search, uh, I think I'm good at developing a story, telling a story, uh, and then bringing the person along for the ride. And then at the end of that story, them deciding is it a yes or a no for them. And, and I'm good at that because I've, I've, I've lived like that. I always tell myself a story before I get started on a path of something. And as I get started on that path, I've got to believe that story wholeheartedly or else I lose interest. So that would be my answer to number one. Absolutely. And what are you not so good at and why? I think it's a real critical question. <laughs> I am not good at being told what to do, uh, which, I think, <laughs> which I think was the, the impetus for me being an entrepreneur. You know, most people want to be entrepreneurs because they want to make a lot of money or they have an idea and they want to bring it to market. I just have never been good at being told what to do. I think that's something that we have in common and, and you know, the show's about you, but I think that that's a big reason why I went out and launched my own business. I was, I, I needed to be, I needed to be my own boss. So what, so what do you like to do and why? Um, so I, you know, to me, I was always a great athlete my entire life and I poured myself into that, uh, you know, all the way through as a soccer player, as a, a martial artist, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, black belt, uh, fitness training, et cetera. 
but you know, over the years, my, my, my real game has been building businesses and, you know, I, I, I do, you know, a, an unbelievable level of work on a weekly basis in a number of different businesses we have that all feed each other, but it's never stressful. Cause what I do is I actually get stressed when I'm not building one of my businesses. You know, we were, we were on a flight back um, from San Fran with my team recently and they didn't have, again, American Airlines, this is the best. They had no power outlets in first class, right? So the, the flight attendant, right, the flight attendant goes, no, it's a good chance for you to chat with your neighbor and decompress. I'm like, you don't understand. Five hours, if I don't do my work, I'm going to be so stressed out. And I don't like talking to the people next to me on the plane anyway. So that's the worst corporate advice you could give me. So, you know, I, I just love building businesses. It's a sport for me. It's a game for me. And it's a way for me to verify some thesis that I bring to the market. I love it. Did you ask the flight attendant if they could run an extension cord from the cockpit back to your seat? That, 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 that didn't work out for you. That so, might have protocol violation on FAA. But yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that would have worked. So what, what, do you, what do you not like to do besides, you know? Oh, God, you know, what do I not like to do? I, I, um, I don't not, I, it's important for me to obviously, for me at least, always be creating something. Uh, I've got to always be creating, whether it's uh, businesses, uh, the sports I've gotten into, uh, the careers I've been building. Uh, I love growing people. Uh, so when I'm not doing those, I don't like to be doing that. If, if, if that's a, if that's an answer. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. So let's take it back to day one. How is how is the Mullings group born? How was it conceived? So I started out as a search consultant in 1989 with a firm called management recruiters. Uh, it was December 4th, 1989, uh, interviewed with a great guy named Sebastian Lavosi and Bill Joes. Uh, went to work for them, told them uh, within two years I'd be leaving, and I did two years and three weeks to the day. Uh, so I opened up uh, my first office, Manager Recruiters, down in Coral Gables, Florida. Uh, a few years later, I left the franchise and started officially the Mullings Group, and uh, we knew we were going to do MedTech, a MedTech exclusive office, and that was thought to be insane. One office, one area focus, recruiters, and that's it, and we started that in 92. And why MedTech? Um, <clears throat> first of all, I'm an engineer, and I found that the tech in MedTech was always seeking a higher ground. So that was one. Two is we were always going to be living longer, and we wanted to live healthier lives. So tech would always pursue a way to find that as well. Um, interestingly enough, I also knew it was regulated by the FDA. So there was always going to be a built-in governor on that business as a top end. So you always would have year over year, maybe seven to 10% growth. But when you govern things, you don't get these large explosive growth periods, which typically in business are followed by crashes. And you know, whether it's real estate, the dot-com busts, all that. Now within that seven to 10% growth rate, you can find um, mini businesses, uh, domains, therapies, et cetera, that grow at 50 to 70%. So you, I, and, and I knew the bar to entry was so high because intellectually, it's such a heavy lift that everybody else who got into recruiting would have went into accounting or finance. A more general. Or engineering, exactly. Mo so that's, that's why we picked MedTech. That's fascinating. And, and what did you do personally to get your level of education and knowledge in that industry up to par so you could have intelligent, informed conversations with potential clients and candidates? 
Yeah, so it helped that I came out as an engineer. So I went to school. I got uh, my four-year degree at the University of Dayton uh, in engineering. And then, uh, you know, just read, read, read. And that was before the internet. So it was a little harder to read. Books. Uh, <laughs> yeah, books, whatever those are. And uh, just as many conversations with technical people as I could. And I kept a log of that. And today, you know, we've got, uh, I think, 18 recruiters in our office, 30 total in the organization. And none of them came with either an engineering degree nor a medical device background. But nearly every single one of them could hold their uh, weight in any conversation in MedTech. And how do you get them up to speed? What's the training process there? Uh, well, it takes a village. So, you know, we uh, have a number of people supporting all the search consultants who come into the organization. And uh, we make sure that we, and each person who comes in gets a Sherpa assigned to them to take them through. And we'll get them in a regulatory search, a clinical search, a sales search, a quality search, a manufacturing search, in addition to our really strong baseline training program to teach what it is that makes up a medical device company. I love it. And I also, when I, when I train younger recruiters too, I talk about using the candidate as part of your training process, figuring out the right questions because they're closest to the ground, asking them to really explain the ins and outs of what they do. And on turn on that, as you know, as a recruiter also, getting them to open up, really talk about what they do will give you some insight into what type of candidate they are, how, how sharp they are as well. Joe, do you, do you remember your first placement ever? Yeah. Um, Tell us about it that. Was, yeah, it was... Uh, 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 Peter and actually he was there for 25 years. So you want to residuals on that. <laughs> <laughs> he went to work at um, Pete um, Italian last name. Pete, Pete, Pete. He went to work at Symbol Technology on Long Island. Symbol Technology used to do a point of sale barcode scanning business, and um, that was my first placement. And that was uh, about four weeks after I started, January of '90. Uh, yeah, I got I got my first placement pretty quickly, and the candidate uh, was let go 80 days into the 90-day guarantee for um, alleged illicit drug use, which was, you know, for me it was it was a good kick in the in the sack right away to really understand the ups and downs of of recruiting, and I think that's the hardest part for any young recruiter coming into the business. It's a roller coaster. I mean, mm -hmm. you've been on it, you've been on it for a long time financially. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You really got to keep your uh, your fortitude up. So, you know, when, when you have new recruiters coming on, what what is like a couple of those key pieces of, of advice that you give them to be successful? Yeah, so um, you only have outcomes. There's never good or there's never bad. There's only outcomes. And so if you learn to live that way, no matter what, in or out of the recruiting office, what it does is flattens out your highs and flattens out your lows. And it doesn't lessen um, the sort of joy and fulfillment you get in life. But when you think about things that it's only an outcome, uh, what it tends to do is allows you not to fall into the shit show, the pity party, or the woe is me. All it is is a data point, and now you adjust from that. And, and, and we give that, you know, again, I, I give that to the people who come into our organization. I give it to my kids uh, or anybody who, who cares to listen. That's so interesting. And for me, you know, I've been in this business a few years and I think that's one, one, of the hard, one of the harder parts for me to get from being so emotional to understanding that perspective exactly. It's a data point. And in our industry, there's, it happens every single day. Cancellations, mm -hmm. fall throughs, you know, getting candidates to that final round that for some reason they went with another company's candidate. These are all points that you got to react to. And, I, and I'll tell you something too, and, and, I, and I'm an emotional guy. I'm, I'm very personal. And I'm able to, in the, in the last year or so, be able to be emotional for a little bit because we are, we're humans, right? And, but I've also been able to compartmentalize that and then move on. I think that's been a big switch um, for me as a recruiter. So we went through some of the interview questions, but what are some of those traits? I mean, listen, man, you're a perceptive human being, extremely perceptive. 
what are those things that you, you kind of see and look for when you're looking into someone's eyes and you're hearing them talk to know that, hey, this is going to be an awesome potential new member of the team? Um, so there's two things you can't fix. Uh, you can't fix dumb and you can't fix lazy. So we look for evidence on that. And, th and that's pretty easy to dig into. Uh, the, the really close up to that is having a high level of self-awareness uh, in, in the individual is knowing what you're good at, knowing what you're not good at. And then probably the one that carries the most weight is what has been your dose of adversity in life and how have you handled it? Because search is such a challenging career that um, if you have not had a tremendous dose of adversity in your life, and I will be, no doubt, I will be your first, will be a major dose of adversity. I don't want that to be at my expense or my teammates' expense. That's a tremendous perspective as well. And I think that's something why I was able to jump into recruiting and handle those punches. Recruiting, you're getting punched in the face all day long. You got to be able to punch back too and, and, and take those punches. Um, so talk, talk to us a little bit about your hiring process. And I remember from our conversation back in December that it is a pretty grueling gauntlet. Um, mm -hmm. Let's peel back the curtain on that a little bit and, and, and tell people how it works over there at Mullings Group. Yeah. So, you know, you, you will respond to something that we have out. We've got multiple channels in, in, in regards to calling attention to our firm. And so you'll send in a resume first. That resume will get reviewed by one of our senior partners here. After that uh, takes place, we'll have a telephone call uh, with you and we'll check to see how your phone is. Uh, after that, we send out a five question uh, interview uh, that is purposefully uh, for us to get a written sample of not only what you return, how you return it, the grammar in it, and the timeliness of it. You know, people, believe it or not, will fail on that just on timeliness alone. After that comes back, you'll come in and you'll interview with part of the senior team, which is uh, eventually it's seven people. And then you'll come back another time, interview with the other half of the senior team. At that point, we'll also give you a Wonderlick uh, cognitive intelligence test so we can just get a baseline there. Uh, if that goes well, then you come back and meet me. Uh, and then if that goes well, you come back and you do a, a group presentation as the final session, uh, you can pick whatever subject it is. The direction we give you is it's gonna be about 20 minutes long. It's, it's gotta be the thing that you're most passionate about and you know uh, the best and expect to be off balanced in that respectfully, uh, but off balanced in that in the presentation on whatever you talk about. And so um, the reason we do that is I need to see the passion in somebody's eyes and mind on what they claim to be their most passionate about. And if I think that they're just really duds at that point, I'm not sure they can get really fired up as a reference point on our business. So that's number one. And number two, I would say those who make it to that final presentation, probably there's a 50% fallout rate, uh, which is critical because otherwise those people in the past would have been hired. Uh, and so we are avoiding spending you know, a lot of time effort, money, blood, sweat, and tears, and time up our desks uh, to get in the front door. I absolutely love it. And I think that commitment to the recruitment process on your end really shows through with your clients how much effort that you're putting into your recruiters, because that's your product. Those are your people that you're putting out there. Um, do you take you know, day one recruiters off the street, or, you, or do you only hire seasoned recruiters? Uh, we've only hired one person with recruiting experience um, who came out of an office. 
Uh, Holly Scott, who joined me 22 years ago, 23 years ago, came out of another MR office. But I'm pretty sure, other than Wes uh, Kennedy in my firm, who did contract, none of our people came from the recruiting, recruiting business. Awesome. I absolutely love that. So what, let, let, let's flip it around a little bit too. If you were giving advice to someone interviewing at, at Mullings Group, what is that one golden nugget that you would give them to crush it? Uh, in the interview? Yeah. So uh, that's a really good question. So I don't know if there's one cause it's, you know, it, it's a, it's sort of chorus of things, but um, coachability uh, again, let's assume you're smart enough and assume that you have the work ethic that you're absolutely coachable. You know, we, we sincerely say when you come to us, even if you don't make a placement for six or eight months, we don't care. Uh, and we pay our, uh, recruiters salaries, uh, which is very unique for the industry. So it's salary plus commission, like a different model. Not to get so too- it's a, uh, it's a minimum base, you know, it could be anywhere based on experience from 60 to a hundred thousand a year. Uh, and you have that salary first year and your placements get banged up against that. But the reason, well, it's not pay. It is, but at the end of it, most of the people are on the wrong side of it. We just scratch it out. Uh, now the reason we did that is, is allowed us to really build strength on, on the team because historically search firms have figured out how they can hire somebody with beer and cigarette money and what they could get away with. And you don't get best athlete that way. I a hundred percent agree on that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, when, you, so. when you give someone a little bit of that runway and a little bit of that safety net where they, they don't have to worry about coming in day one and you're already in the hole on a draw, you come in and you have a little bit of a safety net. I'm going to get my mortgage paid. I'm going to get my bills paid. It takes a little bit of that stress off so I could focus it on the job and learning and performing. I applaud you for that. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was critical. I think that is one of the um, points that we started just a few years ago that has enabled us to get some unbelievable talent in the organization. That's tremendous. Let's, let's, let's switch gears a little bit too. Um, I've read that you, and, and heard that you often talk about millennials being a threat to the preceding generation. Let's unpack that a little bit. Tell everyone what you mean by that when you say that. Uh, well, I'm not sure where you read that and what context it's in because I can roll either way with that answer. All right, cool. Let's, let's, let's go with the positive on that. What are some of the good things you're seeing about millennials? Um, I think I like it. Look, I hate to break out millennials and, 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 and Gen Xers and, and baby boomers, right? Because for the most part, uh, we, we all had the labels that were, were shoved on us as a, as a, as a generation. Um, I, I think the, the millennials that I've run into and, and probably comprise maybe, again, I don't know how old you have to be, at least 40% of my firm. Uh, are incredibly bright, incredibly driven when you give them something they can really bite into. Um, when you give them the ability to feel safe, but also uh, not allow them to become apathetic. Uh, and again, you can lay this over any generation. So I'm just directing this at where I think millennials hit it really well. Uh, and um, like to be part of something bigger than them. Uh, and, and so that, that seems to come out of that culture, out of that generation more than the others. I mean, I'm 57. So the others that I'm able to feel at least some expert point of view on. I absolutely love it. So let's switch gears and talk about content creation um, right. and your journey into content creation. I mean, I've been following you for a while and I, and I, and I know as a student of marketing that, that content drives eyeballs, eyeballs drive leads and drives and drive business. Talk about a little, a little deeper into your personal 
and business side of content creation, specifically on LinkedIn. Um, you've always been a, a forerunner, a pioneer in that front, and now with you know True Future TV, talk to us a little bit about why that major commitment into content. Yeah, so um, we we came up with True Future TV after running through content for probably about two and a half years, and um, you know the baseline, the benchmark from that was of course the great late um, Anthony Bourdain. Uh, what what Bourdain did really well was he it wasn't a food show it was a show about people places culture and social issues and he took you on a journey with him and so when we looked at that myself and and my dp my director of photography uh icky we said you know there's a lot here we've got the same access in the medical device industry that bourdain had to you know the world uh we're we're trusted uh we we, we can talk as an expert in just about any area of med tech uh, and it's a $500 billion a year industry that doesn't have a single voice to it. And we wanted to put out world-class content in, in regards to the, the full staff we brought on board, uh, the equipment we, we use, the destinations we go to. In fact, in two weeks, we're living, leaving for Tel Aviv and we're spending two weeks in Tel awesome. Aviv. Uh, so we came up with True Future because we believe that the media platform and the storytellers who do it incredibly well and at scale will dominate a market. And our goal is to become the media company within the medical device industry in the world. That's, that's really our Valhalla. It's, it's incredible. And, and I'm going to put a, a nice PSA out there for everyone. Anyone who, I don't care if you're in the med tech industry or not, because I don't think that's what it's really about from my perspective. I think that if you are a content creator, you guys need to check out True Future TV just to see this as a gold standard. And it's not this takes a serious amount of effort and time, and it's not for everybody, but I hope that it inspires you to show how you could take a, a niche industry and spin it with, with people and life and culture and add that other side to the story. And I think that works from a, a client perspective and a candidate perspective as well. And I think Joe's putting that on the map, and I applaud you for that. So let's dig right. into life. Let's dig into life um, a little bit and talk about prioritization. How do you do it all? I mean, you're running a, a, a very large, successful firm here family, health, fitness, passion project. How do you balance it all, man? Uh, surround yourself with wildly driven, successful people. I mean, that, that, that's number one. Number two, decide what's really important to you. Uh, so, you know, I'm up at 4, 4 a.m. every day, uh, whether it's Monday or Sunday. Uh, and, I, and I run a pretty tight schedule. Uh, and, you know, usually we'll run it till around 7.30 at night and then hit, hit bed at 8, 8.30. Uh, I'm blessed with a, uh, a strong uh, partner slash wife who makes sure that everything is in line for these things to occur, you know, uh, two great kids. Uh, so I don't have a lot of distractions in regards to bad kids there. And one <laughs> of the things that uh, we had developed uh, about a year ago was called Office of the CEO. And uh, what that does is there's three or four key individuals, depending on what modality I need to address, whether it's my desk level, because I still run a desk, whether it's the organization, whether it's Dragonfly, or whether it's my calendar. And those people are in constant contact with me on a daily basis and magnifying uh, uh, my ability to get things done uh, in that swim lane that they've been selected to absolutely focus in. And so it's an order of magnitude that allows me to do unbelievable things, you know, in that, in that 15 hour workday. Yeah, it's incredible. And, and, and again, you know, I, I say this all the time, but how grateful I am for you making the time to come on this show here. I, I really I do appreciate it and know how yeah. valuable that time is. And it's impressive too, because I, I forgot about that question. I was going to ask you if you still run 
uh, a full desk. How many, how many, I don't know if that's the right expression with someone at your level, but how many recs do you have on your plate right now? 30, 35. There we go. 30, 30. I think right yeah. now they just check the numbers. Uh, I think I'm a, for the year to date, first three quarters, I'm at 1.8 million billing on my desk. Let that sink in everybody. Yeah, let that sink in here. Good stuff, Joe. What is what does the word authentic mean to you? Um, I think it's uh, it means living out loud. Uh, I, I mean, I think it it's it's um, vulnerable. Um, I think it's uh, empowering, and I think it's. Uh, I think it's what we celebrate, but we point at those things and hold those people on a pedestal, yet we won't live that way ourselves. So if you think about all the people that we hold so high in regard, whether it's an actor, a business person, uh, a singer, an artist, an athlete, um, they are just being who they are and they're doing it and they don't give a shit about what people think a majority of the time uh, or, or it appears that way. Yeah, we choose to get all caught up with worrying about what other people think about us and we put on the persona of who we think the world wants us to be and that end up, ends up suffocating us and choking us. So, you know, that word authenticity gets tossed around a lot, but I think it's living out loud and I think it's living where you're allowing yourself to be incredibly vulnerable and too many people associate weakness with vulnerability and I just think it's the other way around. That, that's incredible too. And, and for me and my personal journey, once I was able to open myself up and be my true authentic self and show that vulnerability as a strength and not a weakness, so much has opened up in my life personally and professionally. I mean, we were talking about it before we went on the air, like these moments of serendipity just happened, I think, because I was putting my true self and positive energy out into the universe. And now it's all coming back to me and it's taken me 40 years and it's taken me so much failure and learning from those failures. And finally, I'm in a place of success and it's just, it's compounding and it's, and it's incredible. So you're a father, you're a successful business owner. Um, you have strong personal relationships, 57 years old, a lot of perspective on life and a lot more to go, man. Mm -hmm. You look like you're in pretty good health over there. Yeah. What is, what, what is, what is the legacy that you want to leave behind? What do you think that legacy is going to be, Joe? Oh, I think, uh, anybody who's spent time with me, I want to be regarded as one of the top 10 people that they ever met um, that, that, that in regards to their own personal development in regards to uh, learning about a new perspective on things and how to look at things a certain way. Uh, somebody had mentioned something to me a couple of weeks ago and I thought it was one of the brightest things I had heard. Uh, leadership cares more about your personal and uh, professional growth than it does your comfort. And so I think that really summarizes what, I like to bring to the table when you first meet me, it might be sometimes a little um, too much in regards to my approach to things. But once you let it settle in, uh, I, I think I bring value to my relationships. Uh, they're never the easiest ones, but standing close to the fire isn't always easy. I love it, man. So three questions that I ask every guest coming on the show here. Number one, what is the greatest piece of advice that you have ever received that you took action on? Because there's a lot of advice out there that's very heady and out there, but, but advice you heard and you took immediate action on. Um, if you can't, then you must. And I had gotten that in 1990 from Tony Robbins. 
Um, and so, you know, too many of us used to think, although I was thankful for my mom and dad, they didn't raise me that way, but there were times that like, oh, I can't, then I must. And, but that usually revolved around uh, getting up and cutting the lawn or <laughs> you know, something like that. Uh, so, you know, that, that I think was one of the big ones. And then the other was reflect on everything, but regret nothing. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a really good one. Um, and, and, and those are the two that I think that sit in my head every single day. I, I, a third one would be a struggle to, I, I can't, you know, get it to mind, but, um, you know, it's just, um, uh, you know, be generous, right? Just be generous with everything. It all, it all comes back. And, and Joe, what is, what is your superpower? What do you do better than almost anyone in this entire planet? Isolate pain. Mentally, physically. Yeah, it's a big one. And last but not least, I mean, we know in recruiting that not every day is, you know, sunshine and rainbows. Some days are, and it's incredible. And that pot of gold is right there for the taking. And some days are not. Personally, professionally, not every day is easy. Some days are better than others. What do you look to when things are great and you want to show gratitude? And what do you look to when you need to dig down deep inside? What is, what is your North Star, Joe Mullings? Hmm. Um, constantly be building. Uh, if I stop moving or if I start ideating, uh, that, that ends up being uh, trouble for me. So constantly building, constantly ideating. I mean, it, examples of that is, you know, in 1993, Three ninety four, we came up with the first Lotus Notes uh, uh, programming that did optical character recognition and actually scanned resumes and put them into a database. Never done before. Years ahead of the time, you know? right? We're we're doing this thing with True Future TV and our you know our capabilities here with our full production company. Never been done before, right? Uh, when I got into mixed martial arts and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, I was a white belt. Uh, I then took six fighters to the UFC and. Uh, got my black belt. So I like to do things that people have either never done before coming from a similar position um, or just seem like insane to even consider. I, I think that tends to be my North Star. And I always say I was, I was born with a dysfunctional amygdala. Fear is where the amygdala is where fear lives in most human beings. So mine doesn't function very well. So that's also helpful. I love it, Joe. Thank you. And incredible. I want everyone to follow this guy and we'll get to that in a second. So closing thoughts here, kind of my Jerry Springer moment, Joe. Yeah. What I admire most about Joe is his tenacity. And I believe that's what first drew me towards him to connect. And I want to tell you all how Joe motivated me directly. So when we spoke back in December, I told him about my crazy idea for a business model where we took seasoned recruiters and we put them into this small kind of RPO. And that was my model. I wanted to disrupt this. And Joe strongly advised it for a few very specific reasons that it would not work. And I countered him in that moment. But after the call, it left me with serious doubts. I'm telling you, Joe, like, I was like, oh, shit, am I doing the right thing here? And I believe he said something along the, line, the lines of go for it and let me know how that works out. And guess what? It did work out and it did work out really well. And I'm not telling you that, Joe, as I told you so. I'm not. I'm telling you that as a thank you. Because that was a spark that was provided to me by someone that I deeply respect and admire professionally in my industry. And that spark motivated me to think more strategically before pitching it to my clients. And ultimately I made that happen. So thank you for that. I appreciate well done. that. Well done. And recruitment is tough. I mean, this is about the toughest freaking industry out there. There's a ton of competition and it's cutthroat, but it can be done with empathy while still being steadfast to your values, your convictions and dedication 
to building a business that you're proud of where people want to build their careers. Something, a huge feather in Joe's cap. And he's defining what it is to be a thought leader in today's digital first, always on world, where your brand and your personality are continuing to create and innovate. And he's created an extremely successful niche and has tripled down in all the right areas. A model for many of us in this industry to follow. I thank Joe immensely for his motivation, support, and most importantly, your time. Thank you, Joe. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Keep up the great work. I love it. Awesome, man. And Joe, where could folks find you? So uh, on LinkedIn, uh, Joe Mullings. Uh, on, uh, check out our truefuture.tv on the docu-series on that. I'd appreciate support and lean in on that. Uh, and, uh, you know, those are the two areas. And then Joe Mullings on Instagram as well. That would be uh, great if you could uh, check those out. Awesome. And everybody, please check out True Future TV. It's awesome. The clips aren't that long. I think the longest one is maybe 11, 12 minutes. They're beautifully Correct. shot. They don't take a lot of time to watch. They'll motivate you. They'll push you into thinking creatively in your own mind around content creation in some way or another. Awesome. And to everyone listening, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Please be sure to follow us on all the social media channels below. Subscribe, comment, network. And remember, most importantly, take your online offline. Joe, thank you for joining us and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode jam-packed with more incredible humans. For more info, please visit www.nhptalentgroup.com. <laughs>